Yeah. Hey. I'm going to tell you right now, this is about to be one of my favorite episodes. You already know what it is, man. It's 1.50 a.m. And I'm back with another one. This is back in the days. Your favorite podcast with your favorite host. My name is Dante Bailey. Been doing this for a good little while now and kind of think I got a hang of this thing, you know? I'm telling you right now, boy, I, I, I didn't... I done caught some feelings already. I ain't even started. I was just doing some research for the episode, and here we are. <laughs> I appreciate everybody who's taking the time up until this point to listen. Take that ride with me back in the days. And I analyze some of my deepest nostalgic memories, you know? This episode is called LimeWire LiveWire. You already know what that's about, man. We're going to talk about music. We're going to talk about the internet. We're going to talk about just the crazy way that innovation has, I mean, really, really, like, I've seen it all through my lifetime, you know? I remember there was a time when we was dealing with floppy disks, you know? (laughs) And you had to use a little uh, pencil with an eraser to rewind a tape. If it played ahead and it got jammed up, try to get the reel to go back into the tape. Now I got all my goddamn music in my phone and everything's streaming. I, I don't even know a classic when I hear it anymore, man. You know? It's crazy. You hear something one time, you say, oh, that's classic, that's classic. Man, we used to know a classic when we heard it because we would burn that motherfucker out. <laughs> Play that thing till the wheels fell off and then buy another CD to replace it. I feel like before I can even get into my love for music, you know, I have to go back to some of the first music I ever really heard. What was my foundation for music, you know? I promise if I wasn't a filmmaker, I would damn sure be in the music world somewhere. I don't know if I'd be an artist or if I would be what? I would be something, A&R. My favorite movie's Brown Sugar. You already know, I I, I love that. (laughs) But let's go ahead, man, put on your seatbelt. We about to start this episode up. Once again, this is LimeWire LiveWire. Let's take that ride. You are now listening to The Quiet Storm. <laughs> oh, shit. Hey. Come on now. Talk to him, Smokey. God damn, boy. (laughs) 
We faded. I should have faded it out, but we got my DJ on for real, for real. Nah, man, I'm telling you, boy, I, I, I grew up hearing that particular sound, that quiet storm, quiet storm, quiet storm. You are now listening to the quiet storm. <laughs> That was what nighttime sounded like for me, you know? My father used to be on these wild-ass adventures all the time. I told you, I don't know if we'd be coming from football practice or he'd go to visit a friend or he's picking me up from my grandmother's house or, or my cousin's house or something. But after a certain hour, when you were in that car and the radio station he was listening to, which was usually a... I guess in D.C. it was Magic 102.3 or it was um, 105.9. But I forgot. What did they call their shit? I know it's Magic 102.3. Or it was uh, whatever the fuck that shit was, 105.9. And it was funny because, uh, you know, I always thought my father's music taste was so old. And uh, <laughs> he used to say, you know, when you get older, you're going to appreciate this music, you know. And I, I was like, man, whatever. You, know, you tell her you're going to be listening to it when you're older. And I said, nah, pass on that. Not listening to this old stuff, you know. And just like he said, I got older and I appreciate all this old music. <laughs> I love it, man. It it does take me back. It does. It's just, it was good music. And they just don't make that shit like that no more. It's a different time period. It's a different motivation behind the music. You know, I legitimately remember riding in the car. Because, you know, my father, he was never got into hip hop. That was more my mother. You know what I'm saying? My father would play shit like, like, like Earth, Wind, and Fire, you know? The reasons that you're here. <laughs> Come on, man. That was my shit. That was everything he was on all through childhood. Anything earth, wind, and fire. And this is all we hear. And we have to hear him singing in his little high-pitched voice in the car the whole time. You know what I'm saying? This episode going to be real ghetto. I'm playing this shit straight off of YouTube. <laughs> But for real, man, he would really be sitting there on some shit. Like, you would have to hear him hitting all the high notes and shit. He know he can't sing. I think he knew he was torturing us, but he just thought it was so funny, you know? It was, like, really a thing. And then, I don't know, like, it's funny, too, because my father, he looked like... uh Frankie Beverly growing up. And it was a thing. Not not old Frankie Beverly. Don't get it twisted. You know what I'm saying? If you know Frankie Beverly, like Frankie Beverly old look a little rough. He looked like a scab, low-key. But <laughs> you know, young Frankie and my father resembled each other heavily. So when I was growing up, my parents used to go to uh concerts all the time. That was their thing. I told you I, I didn't really see a lot of affection between them. It was almost like they were friends, you know. And the thing they loved to do more than anything was they used to love to go to concerts together. And um, 
I don't know. That I just remember specifically. They must have gone to Frankie Beverly at least three times or whatever. But every time my mother would be so salty <laughs> because my father would always wear his concert tee that had like Frankie Beverly and Maze on it. And then, you know, people would stop my father and be like, you, you, oh, wow. I thought you were Frankie for a second. You look like Frankie. My father, oh, nah, you know, but he loved it. (laughs) He loved it. My mother hated it. She absolutely hated it. Cause there's no denying, you know, I used to love that shirt because I thought to myself like that look like my daddy on the shirt, you know, but, uh, you know, that was the thing. Everybody loved Frankie Beverly, you know? And I, I just heard these these sounds so often growing up, you know? I'm sure all of y'all did too, but I mean, it just depends. Like, my father played his music in the car, you know? So when I think of oldies and, you know, old R&B and stuff like that, I think of the car versus when I think of like hip hop and stuff like that. I think of the house, you know? Like, there's no way I can hear uh, the Delphonics and not think of the car, you know? Like, and granted, you know, you get older and you appreciate, like, Tarantino and shit, and Tarantino use all this type of shit, but, like, in film, but I, I don't even think about film. I just think of those long car rides with my father and him hitting these little, you know, didn't I blow it, baby? Didn't I blow it, baby? And legit, me and my brother would be in the car like, Daddy, stop! Stop! Oh my God, you're killing us, please! And he'd turn it up even louder, and he'd start screaming even louder. I, I, I made a little reference to it in my short film I did, Lemon Pepper. <laughs> but you really just can't beat what they was giving us, man. You can't. But then, you know, in the house, that was my mama's domain, you know? My mother was playing shit like, you know, everything hip hop. She loved hip hop, you know? We grew up on shit like the message, you know? Uh-huh. And they was spitting too. We was like, hold on, this is raw. I like this, what's this shit, you know? Don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it's like a juggle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep going under. And I think we used to like love this shit so much because of the fact that, like, you know, it was something the whole family could get involved in. You know, my father never liked all this type of shit, but obviously, you know, we liked hip hop. My brothers and I and my oldest brother would get into it because he grew up on it and shit. You know, my oldest brother was born in 1980, so he grew up with all of this type of stuff, the same kind of thing. He probably has his own nostalgic memories with my mother over the same music, you know? But I just remember how fun it used to be to sit there and say shit like, don't push me because I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it was like acting. It was all theater for me. It was all theater, you know? And uh, my mother loved people like Kumo D, you know? <laughs> and uh, LL Cool J. And that was how I started to like learn about like, like rap beat, you know? Because 
two of the songs that I heard growing up all the time in the crib was like Kumo D's, How You Like Me Now, you know, which was a direct diss to LL Cool J. And he had a little dude tied up in the music video and he had the chain and shit and it was supposed to be LL. And my mother was a big Kumo D fan. And she always tells the story how she loved Kumo D and LL kind of took his spot when uh, Kumo D lost the battle against LL. (laughs) And like, that's how her fanship changed up, you know? But I didn't know what rap beef even really was or any of that type of stuff before all these kind of things with my mother, you know? I liked people like LL Cool J not because of his rapping ability but because he was so fucking animated and shit you know he came through on shit like I'm bad and he literally like in the music videos just jumping around and dancing and, but it just looks so extra you know what I'm saying <laughs> you jump from platform to platform and, I don't know arms flailing everywhere but I just always love being able to say, I'm mean. I crush it like a jelly bean. I'm bad. <laughs> I don't know. I don't care about, you know, the fact that I was just such an animated kid. I, I love it. That's what makes me me, you know? The fact that I was that type of kid makes me that type of adult now, you know? And, uh, being animated I think is a a part of what makes us love music it's a part of what makes music memorable you know when there's something that we want to sing along to or join in on or it makes us feel a a feeling that evokes a deep emotion we can smell those moments we can taste the food we were eating in those times we can We can really time travel, you know? There's a song by a group called Queen. And the song was Bohemian Rhapsody. And when I tell you the entire family, you know, everybody knows it as the traditional, you know, we are the champions, my friends. We keep on fighting to the end. And we just used to have so much fun through the house, screaming all over the house and being loud and doing the most, you know what I'm saying? Like, but I remember I always loved the breakdown more than anything, you know? Because the breakdown was so dramatic. I used to These are real, legitimate, like, you don't even know I'm, like, getting chills as this thing is, like, playing right now in the background. Because I just understood, like, how much of a moment. It was bonding. It was bonding, you know? And I guess as I'm thinking about this stuff, right, because this isn't supposed to be an episode of me just playing songs and playing the classics, right? It's just to give a small taste, a small taste of all the different things that set up the foundation. But it was bonding. Family means a lot to me. Family means a whole lot to me. 
And my family, unfortunately, has been more separated than not in recent years, you know? Not by intention or whatever, you know, just everybody's doing their own thing. My oldest brother got his own family he takes care of. And, you know, my middle brother's figuring things out, obviously, and he has a daughter. And, you know, my mother and father aren't together anymore. And, but they, they didn't start to actually separate until I was about, I don't know what, in 10th grade or something like that, maybe ninth. Right around high school time is when it really started. Like, I'm, my father actually left the house around 10th grade. And that was an interesting time because, you know, it was like, how do you figure out what's normal? I always felt split in decisions. Like, do I go with my mother or do I go with my father? I don't want to disappoint anybody. I told you I felt like everybody in my family was my best friend. And to some extent, I felt like it was a lot of pressure on me because everybody did kind of want me to choose them in some instances, you know. And I, I was a mama's boy and a daddy's boy equally. So my father would never say anything ever bothered him or hurt him or whatever. But I know that he wouldn't say anything, but who goes out of the way to consider dad? And I know my mom actually was really like emotionally connected with me. We shared these, you know, I was her baby. I was the youngest. So it's like, say, for example, if when it was time for them to get separated, if I would have said, well, I'm going to move with daddy, that would have broke her heart. It would have broke her heart. And I know that, you know, and I knew that my father could handle it better. But this is where music started to take a different turn in my life, you know? I mean, Music has always played a certain role, you know? Music um, not only has a nostalgic feeling for the unity between my family, my immediate family within the house, you know? But it has a nostalgic feeling based off of the way that it helped to get me through emotional moments. It was really serious, you know? Um, I used to walk to school sometimes when I was in high school and I would legit walk for like an hour and a half sometimes, almost two hours before, like I'd get up and I'd leave the house at like six, you know, school starts at 8.15 or whatever the case may be. And I would just put in my headphones and just go because to me, it felt like that was a better option than being in the house where, you know, niggas are arguing and anybody could have beef at any moment. It's like the worst possible combination of timing. And I think I'm only realizing this shit now as I'm getting older and I'm reminiscing, but in the moment I couldn't recognize that, you know? It's like my parents are going through a divorce while at the same time, my middle brother's going through his own teenage slash young adult rebelliousness and trying to figure things out and make it make sense. And my oldest brother's trying to navigate, you know, adulthood as an independent person. The house is only getting smaller. And, you know, at a certain point, it's kind of like parents do look at you like, well, when you going to get your own, you got to figure it out. You got to do something, you know. 
So he was trying to move out and him and my father had beef and they would get into physical altercations sometimes, which is rare, but you know, just the arguments were always consistent. It was like, why aren't you cleaning this up? Or why aren't you doing that? Or whatever. Or you want to pay rent? And, you know, we've all been there before with the teenage thing, you know what I'm saying? Or the young adult thing. It's like your parents want you to pay $400 in rent or something like that because you old enough to move into your own spot. But then you don't got no freedoms either. So like you want me to pay rent, but you can't smoke in a crib if you smoke. You can't play your music a certain level past a certain amount of time. You can't come in at a certain time. It's not like you're a tenant or nothing, you know, that causes its own little riffs. But whom I'm, it's not my place to speak on all of those things. I just know that every time I looked up, it felt like my brothers was beefing with each other. My brothers was beefing with my parents in their own individual ways. My parents was beefing with each other. Everybody was just fucked up with each other. And the best way that I could tune out was to just tune out. And that was where music got me, you know? It probably started before I got into hip-hop. I was, I used to go over to my cousin Rashid's house a lot. I told you I loved going to my cousin Rashid's house. And by the time that we started going to middle school together at private school, I used to go over his house after school all the time. Every summer, I was at his house every day. As far as I was concerned, that was my second home, you know. And uh, he used to listen to XM radio. I don't know if y'all remember that as being a, a thing that was consistently used. But before streaming and Apple Music and all that other type of stuff, XM radio was about the best shit you could get outside of like a bomb ass CD collection, you know? And he used to listen to like this alternative rock slash pop type shit. <laughs> and I loved it. It was like my first time being exposed to some shit that wasn't like R&B or hip hop or old school shit. You know, like I like stuff like Missy and Busta Rhymes and Ludacris, you know, and whatever like was commercial, but still fun and vibrant, you know? And um, he would be playing shit like uh, Addicted by Simple Plan. I remember this used to be my favorite shit. <laughs> I just remember this shit like at any random time I could be walking up the street, walking up the hill to my cousin's house and you might hear that like blasting out the window or something like that. Or like uh, say for example, here's another one that I used to love. It was Kuba uh, Stank. The reason I just fucking I think it was like I don't even know what the fuck the words were about probably back then I just know my cousin's room door was always closed and he was always taking naps or playing video games and I would 
hear that shit. And I knew if I heard the music, we was green. Come on in. You know, I don't even think I knocked half the time. I would just walk in the house. Like, he knew I was coming. Um, but I think it just felt like a change of environment, maybe. It was like a different culture. It was something different. Like, I didn't like no white shit when I was in private school. Because when I was in school, I wanted to be black, blackity, black, black, black. I didn't want to be there in the first place. I was like, I'm, fuck y'all, man. I'm I'm black. You know? I had a, I was trying to hold on to my sense of identity with any last thread I could. So if a white boy was playing me some shit like that, I'd be like, yeah, get that shit out of here. But if my cousin Rasheed was playing it for me, I was like, yo, this is actually kind of tight for real. <laughs> you know, it was a thing. And, um... I think it's worth mentioning that uh, I went to middle school and high school between like 2004 slash five, you know, like 2005 is when I first went to high school. I graduated 2009. And um, around that time, you know, MySpace was a thing. And you have to remember, like the Internet was just breaking as like a thing, you know. And, you know, growing up, we had literally, like, the internet wasn't shit growing up. Like, when we was little, little, it was, like, floppy disks. And, you know, every once in a while, you'd have, like, a, a you know, we called it a CD-ROM. Like, you'd have a game that was, like, we used to play this game called, like, Twinson's Odyssey on the computer. And, like, <laughs> random, this little random dude running around throwing balls and using whips and shit. That sounds crazy. Um, but... <laughs> like killing monsters and shit. I don't know. It was cool. It was like, that's what the computer was for. It was literally just for like a game or to type a paper or something like that. And the fact that I really grew up with floppy disks blows my fucking mind now because we barely even use thumb drives anymore because we have the cloud, you know? But that was a norm, you know? And I mean, I remember we used to get these little... Um, did y'all ever used to get these American online, America online, AOL uh, sample discs that would come in the serial or they would come in the mail or something like that. And they would have like, you know, two free hours of Internet use. Like they were trying to get you to sign up for a subscription, basically. And the Internet was so shitty. It's like you had to pop in the CD and you had to be connected to the Ethernet cord. And it was dial or, you know, it's dial up. So. Nobody could be on the phone while you was on the internet because it would knock your shit off. Like, it would knock your your, your call off. <laughs> and uh, it was wild because even just to go to, like, one page, it would load up. Like, it would take, like, you might as well, like, if I was going to, like, Nick.com because I wanted to, like, I don't know, play a Rugrats game or something or try to print a sticker or something ridiculous as a kid i might as well click the page i was trying to go to walk away go get a snack chill watch an episode of tv <laughs> come back and maybe it'll be at the next page like oh it would take like five minutes to go from one page to the next it was ridiculous it was so underdeveloped when we think about this shit so to see where we came i don't even remember I think the only the first time I ever noticed it, honestly, was like when I was going into eighth grade because Rashid had gone to high school already 
And that's when he showed me my space. And I was like, oh, shit. My space? What the fuck is this? And I talked about this a little bit in my uh, episode about, you know, crushes and stuff. And, you know, how I had met my first love on MySpace. And she sent me the, hey, you're cute or whatever, right? But MySpace as a whole, first of all, was the coolest fucking shit ever. Ever, 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 okay? Like, ever. You made these crazy, like, profiles and shit, and, and, and I don't know, it was like all these designed layouts and shit. And I mean, it was like Tumblr before Tumblr was ever a thing. It, it, it was like, you had to know like HTML coding and shit. Like the people who like my cousin was good with shit like that. So he knew how to design the fuck out of a MySpace page and get all different types of cursors and, you know, music outlets and all types of shit. But the coolest thing to me was that you could put a song on your page, like on your profile. And whatever song you had on your profile was like a representation of you. Social media used to be so simple. Like <laughs> nowadays, every advertising company wants to be on there and sell you shit. And, you know, you look at like engagement, quote unquote, right? Like your shit doesn't get seen by your friends unless you have a certain amount of comments coming in at a time or whatever. Because, you know, they had to take what they lost out on on commercial advertising on the television and put it towards social media. But there was a time when we didn't think about none of that shit. Social media was literally just social networking, you know? Like, it was like, hey, I know those people. They're here on this space. I'll do that. And there was um, other ones, too, that, you know, obviously predated MySpace, which I was never into because I was a little too young, I guess, or whatever. But, you know, people use, like, Crush Spot and Zanga and Black Planet and all that type shit. I joined in on the MySpace wave, which was pretty much the first one that mattered. You know, it was the one that changed the world up, I could say, right? And um, I remember that was when I found groups like Gym Class Heroes. And it was a thing, man. It was really a thing. I say all this to say, at the same time, somewhere around the same time, YouTube really became a thing. And YouTube was this huge outlet for people to you know it's like you have your own channel so myspace was first with that because myspace you know people would have their little vlogs and all this other type of stuff and everything like that and they might put it on their youtube and connect their youtube to their myspace or they would upload the videos directly to myspace but it was like myspace was the vehicle for it all it was very rare you was just going to youtube to like look something up specifically unless it was something that was one of the original viral videos, like a Charlie bit my finger. You know, uh, what's that shit the nigga used to be talking about? Some, Give me some waffle fries for free. You know, like <laughs> all types of random shit like that. But it's funny because with MySpace and social networking, and people becoming familiar with all of these technological things like coding and everything like that. Like kids, we were propelling ourselves into the future. 
So you have little hubs, little conversation hubs for hackers and non-hackers to basically teach people, yo, this is where you can get your shit for free. You don't have to burn, you know, or you don't have to uh, pay for CDs. Like, first of all, CD stores don't even exist anymore. There was, um, what was that shit called? It was uh, I something. What was that CD store? Uh, E-E-E-Y, E-Y. Oh, hold on, wait. I got to look it up because now it's going to bother me. Was it EYU? Am I tripping? EYU CD store. FYE. Oh, wow. I haven't seen an FYE in forever. Wow, that's crazy. FYE was the spot. Because I remember in middle school and like the beginning parts of high school, it was a thing to like go on a release day and see what the new shit was you know what I'm saying they had them in the mall or whatever the case may be and shit like that and you know I I remember I had a a CD it was a the game documentary album that was like one of the first ones that I was really like I really burnt out you know what I'm saying and this was before we knew that the game was corny and shit like (laughs) It was like, yo, he's with 50. He's a West Coast dude with 50. You know what I'm saying? Hated or love it was on there, John, and all these other like it was crazy. It was just so good. And um I had like Ludacris's Red Light District. And I think I had a R. Kelly and Jay-Z Best of Both Worlds. And these was like real like 2006 ass CDs, you know? But you was only going to spend but so much money on CDs. You had to really want something. Like you had to really have some hype around it to buy a CD. At least if you're in middle school or high school. Because it's not like you have that much access to money. And if you like me, you know, your parents wasn't just going to just drop bread on you like that. Because there's other things that you need that are more important than CDs. So you have this hub now of teenagers and young adults who can, you know, network with each other and basically say, yo, I can share my library with you through this side application called LimeWire. It was LimeWire and BearShare. Woo! Changed the game up. I feel bad for teens today. They will never know the fucking rush of knowing that you might tear down your entire family's computer (laughs) with social security information, (laughs) everything. You might, you might, I mean, anything that's important, family, it could all go to hell with the wrong download on LimeWire or BearShare. You had to torrent the right one that you knew it wasn't going to put no virus on your computer. And trust and believe, nobody had no little Macs back then. That shit was too expensive. Macs probably wasn't even as hype as they are now, unless you was like an artist. And no, nobody was really like artist, artist back then yet. So you had PCs. It was so prone to viruses. 
my brother had LimeWire right up on our computer. And I know there was probably all types of other shit that people was downloading on the computer too. And I'm not going to say no names or whatever, but the whole family was using one computer. Besides, my mother had her own computer because she was in like IT technically, you know what I'm saying, ish. Like she, she, she had to learn cybersecurity for her job enough to survive, you know, because it was some shit going on at her job. But yeah, man, like when I tell you, boy, you could get a taste of everything with LimeWire and now you start getting introduced to all these different things, you know? So I started out listening to the shit. My, my, my middle brother was a rapper. He used to go by Lyricist. And he was like really popular at one point too. Like really popular. And not even just local. Like it was he was known pretty nationwide. Like, you know, because blogs was a thing at the time. And I mean, like I remember going to New York and I had a couple of times people stop me on the street and be like, yo, you related to a guy named Lyricist? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, yo, that's crazy. And I'm like, why the fuck do people know you in New York? But... <laughs> You know, it is what it is. But um, yeah, I I just remember he he was so into lyrical music. Like he used to play these and one uh VHS tapes, you know. And as much as he loved basketball and my oldest brother was into basketball and shit like that, you know, um, I think he liked it equally for the music. My oldest brother was always into music. My oldest brother could rap too. I think that's how my middle brother started rapping, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, they were so into music. My oldest brother liked all types of shit, though. You know, so I don't even know. He's like, I remember him liking like Drag On and like DMX and and uh, Beanie Siegel and shit like that. You know, like <laughs> and my middle brother was like real into like, I remember he used to VHS record MTV jams and VH1 soul and all that type of shit. So there was a Kanye West through the wire music video that he had recorded. And he used to play that shit over and over and over and over again. So I wanted to break the fucking tape. He played it so much. I was so tired of it, but he had like every double XL magazine that ever came out. And like he just had a crazy CD collection. He loved music so you know you start to go down the rabbit hole of line wire like because i'm sitting there trying to get certain little things thinking i just want my basics right i wanted like twister and uh buster rhymes and ludicrous and stuff like that you know and i would go back and get songs i grew up on like uh 112s too close and you know shit like that <laughs> uh you know biggie and and puff daddy i have to say it like that puff daddy <laughs> but I started going through and you know I guess on PCs you have shared profiles so I used to be digging through my brother's shit cause you know I could go and be on my profile and I could see what else was on the computer I was curious I was clicking around and shit and I would find some of his other music and there was this wave of underground lyrical artists who I had no clue about but I was like wow I'm gonna wake up these were people like Corey Guns. And Corey Guns is my favorite rapper at one point. And nobody knew who he was as far as I was concerned. But I was like, y'all don't even know. It's like 
this is like Dipset era, you know? Dipset era, uh, like Lil Wayne was like the hottest rapper in the world at the time. And I was like, no, nah, it's more raw than that. It's more raw than that, you know? Everything was about smack DVDs and beefs and who could do more and I slapped the shit out you. <laughs> it was like real up north New York type shit that was like super lyrical, you know? And I loved Corey Guns because he was like 16 or 15, but he was like rapping some like real nigga shit, you know? And his father was Peter Guns, if, if you familiar with like, uh, what's that song that they had? Was it Lucini? No, that wasn't Lucini. It was, uh, Brooklyn niggas ain't scared to shoot. Uptown, baby. Uptown, baby. Uptown. Whatever the fuck that song was. If y'all familiar, y'all might not be familiar with that song, but that's his dad. You know what I'm saying? But I loved Corey Guns or like, I just loved how aggressive. Maybe it's because of everything that was going on in the home and I was trying to like escape it. I just love this aggressive, underground, like hardcore battle rap type. You know, and I told you, I grew up listening to like battle rap shit because of my mother, right? But it was an old school battle rap. It was more of a like, you know, <laughs> what uh, KRS once said, bar da da bar da bag da bag biggie. You know, it was very like, LL Cool J and Kubo D or, you know, KRS-One versus MC Shan. You know, the bridge is over, the bridge is over, but a bye-bye. But now you got niggas like Cassidy. I was like, Cassidy is a whole different type nigga, you know? Pitbulls. No, you niggas was killing nobody. They really wasn't. But <laughs> they would talk that talk like it was. I believed it. I was a gangster. I was like, dang, maybe they really be killing it. Maybe they really gangster like that. And they have a million niggas in the video with like one light flashing on them. <laughs> but I love battle rap. I love battle rap. I love aggressive diss tracks. It was like people was calling each other out by name and shit, you know? It was a thing, like, I don't know. It's just funny because when it comes down to it, like, these were my real introductions to hip hop. Like, I'm a hip hop head. I study hip hop. I live hip hop. I breathe hip hop. I was just having an argument this past week because uh, <laughs> I saw a little meme and somebody posted, he said, you know, out of these rappers, who's the most lyrical? And um, I had said something about, you know, Jay-Z, Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, Nas, and Eminem. And it was a little bit of outrage going on on my shit because, you know, I had this one, one of my homegirls was talking about, so like, how do you not have Tupac on there? Like, you have Eminem over Tupac, you're crazy. And I'm like, Tupac wasn't a lyricist, man. He was a poet. I love Tupac. He's passionate, sure. He's great. He was a, a, a poet, okay? Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> 
I was uh, and I, I'll share this right because I said it in my story on, on Instagram, but it's funny. Like I, the difference when I talk about like lyrical versus like passion or a message, right? Like you, you can have great message, but are you going to flip words and metaphors and bars and shit like that? Like that's what I was learning about hip hop as I was coming. It's like yo, you can't fuck with the illest lyrical niggas out there. Eminem had a line in a song called Kim that was crazy as fuck. It was really ridiculous. That nigga was talking about some, he's talking about killing his, his wife or whatever. It was like hypothetically killing, like what he wished he could do because obviously he's not going to kill his wife, but he hated his wife or whatever. And um, he was talking about his wife moving on with a new husband. And he said, you and your husband have a fight. One of you tries to grab a knife and during the struggle, he accidentally gets his Adam's apple slice. While this is going on, the son is woke up. He walks in, she panics, and he gets his throat cut. So now you're both dead, and you slash your own throat, and now it's double homicide and suicide with no note. What the fuck type of crazy shit is that? Like, as crazy as it is, and as toxic as it is, it's lyrically genius. It's ridiculous. I'm like, and I was laughing when I was talking to Brina. Well, I, well, I might as well say it now. Brina is my homegirl, Brina. <laughs> I didn't mean to out her like that because, you know, but everybody's entitled to their opinion. So, yeah, it's my homegirl, Brina. But she was talking about some Tupac's. But I'm like, yo, on Tupac's best day, he could never. He legit would have been on the joint talking about some mama came in the house, you crazy. Running around with knives and killed the baby. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't going to happen. It just wouldn't happen. It wouldn't. I'm sorry. But as I digress, uh, going back to how I'm learning this shit, right? I'm learning all this hardcore battle rap, you know, hip hop, who got the grimiest, dirtiest, you know. I'm watching Making the Band and J Mills is uh, battling Ness and. It was like the most exciting thing ever, right? <laughs> All this type of shit, this time period. And at the time, like I said, Lil Wayne was probably like the hottest out because everything, only thing you had to do was rap family guy, basically. Like random punchlines and bars and like who had the best and everybody wanted to be that. Um, and I started to catch a message through this other music because I had friends like my homegirl, Kimmy. And Kimmy was like all into Stevie Wonder and, you know, freaking like, like, uh, like Marvin Gaye and like, she was into all that type of shit, like the, the throwback shit. But she was so cool. She was into like a tribe called Quest and, you know, like, Common and Talib Kweli. And I was just discovering these niggas for the first time because of shit like LimeWire, you know? And I think what really, really, really took me there more than anything was that as a family, we all went to go see Dave Chappelle's block party. And I love Dave Chappelle because of Chappelle show in high school. We used to watch it on TV every night and shit, every night that it came on every week. And it was just the best. Like That was my night routine for real. I would eat dinner. I always ate dinner really late. I don't know why. Our family was just like that. Like we would eat dinner at like eight or nine o'clock. 
where like a lot of families eat at like five and shit like that. We just eat whenever the fuck we felt like it. But damn, this is a throwback too. I forgot about shit like this. But yeah, we eat dinner real late and we watch TV while we eat. And um, I used to watch shit like Chappelle's show. And then after Chappelle's show, I would keep it on and like Reno 911 would come on or like uh, South Park. I knew by the time South Park was coming on, I had about one more episode in me and then it was time to go to bed. You know, it'd be about like 12 or something like that. And then I would go to sleep, watch like Seinfeld, fall asleep with the TV on in my room or whatever, you know. But Dave Chappelle was the the shit. And we went to go see Dave Chappelle's block party. And I guess I thought it was going to be funny. And here he was introducing me to a whole brand new world of music. I'm talking about real music, real music. This is one of my favorite movies to this day. If you come into my crib right now, I got a poster for Dave Chappelle's block party sitting right in the middle of the wall, front and center. It's Common. It's Talib Kweli. It's Most Deaf. It's uh, Erica Badu. It's Jill Scott. It's The Roots. It's Dead Prez. Who the fuck is Dead Prez? I've never even heard of Dead Prez. My favorite rap group now, you know? But it was undeniable. It was like you went from going to like, you know, a cop the uncoppable nigga. You can't stop the unstoppable nigga. I pop a shot at you nigga. And I was like a pops to you nigga. I gave you a flow adopted you niggas. To like common hitting shit like uh rolling around in my mind to the curb what a god was a her would i treat her the same would i still be running game on her and what type of ways would i want her would i want her for a mind or a heavenly body couldn't be out here bogus with someone so godly if i was with her would i still be wanting my ex the lies the greed the weed the sex to give her part of my check I mean the heart on my neck Her I would reflect Ride with her Cause I thought for me she died through Good and bad Couldn't be jealous cause other brothers worship her Walk this earth for her Be in her presence I gotta stay faithful What? Who's giving Like I had never heard no shit like that in my life Ever I was like, what is this? What I didn't even know music could do shit like that. Not not the shit I liked. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. What did we just unlock here? It got serious. Okay. <laughs> because this was music I could relate to. I was falling in love for the first time. You know, I, I was I was having these experiences. I, I told you my family was going through a bunch of different shit at the time. And I was getting songs like uh, Kanye West's Family Business. And that was like my favorite shit at the time, you know, because it just it was so thorough. It was everything I wanted to be able to say. Like, I wanted to save my family. I wanted everybody to just be good with each other, you know? I just didn't know how to articulate it. He did it for me. I woke up early this morning with a new state of mind. I 
find a creative way to rhyme without using knives and guns. Keep your nose out the sky, keep your heart to God, and keep your faith to the rising sun. All my niggas from the shy, they my family dog. And my niggas and my guys, they my family dog. I feel like one day you'll understand me, dog. You can still love your man and be manly, dog. You ain't gotta get heated at every house warming. Sitting here grilling people like George Foreman. My uncle Ray and Aunt Sheila always performing. Second she storm out, then he storming. Y'all gonna sit down and have a good time. This reunion, drink some wine like communion, and act like everything fine. And if it isn't, we ain't letting everybody in our family business, huh? Come on, man. I I just felt. I think I just felt vulnerable. I felt vulnerable, you know. And it felt good to feel vulnerable in a way that felt refreshing, like somebody was speaking for me. And that's what music does. It speaks for the soul. And anything that you could experience in a time period, like there was a song for it, you know? I remember specifically like this concept right here, like when I did like my first love and I was afraid to like, oh shit, what's going to happen? Like if I don't get an opportunity to talk to her and what if she doesn't like me back and nerdy, nerdy, nerdy. I was being introduced to songs like Lupe's and he gets the girl. And that shit resonated with me, you know? Cause I felt like I was him. Well, I know I'm not the coolest and this might sound kind of foolish cause I know I'm not the smoothest. Told myself I shouldn't do this cause I'm not very well suited. Not the popularest of students weighing in the same crowd. Always see you with the hoopers, but we got the same lunch. You might see me with the cooler. That's cause I don't eat pork. You can never be sure of. Oh, you like Lincoln Park. That's the hat from the tour. I got an autograph shirt. They wrote much love to ya. Man, that's really funny. How we like the same music. But I really love jazz I was gonna play the tuba I tried to join the band They said I was really, really bad Didn't really make me sad I'm used to being a loser But you, I think you're super So much I had to pursue you I don't believe the things they say On the football team's rumors The quarterback can't spell I was after school tutor I just took a cue from Cupid But now I think you're stupid I'm sorry And then I walked away Thinking that she'll never talk to me Like, what were you thinking? Bringing up the band Would've got a better result If you'd just be the rubber band You shouldn't have wore your glasses Took your shirt about your pants But now it's all over You won't get another chance Damn I just look, I was like, yo, a nigga speaking for me. <laughs> here we go, and, and here we are, you know. And I, I did play in the band. I, I did play saxophone for how long? What? Almost freaking like. If I started playing saxophone at like eleven, I definitely played until I was about seventeen before I quit. I quit saxophone around the same time I quit playing football because it just wasn't for me. I was like, I'm, I took a stance against everything. I'm not doing nothing I don't want to do no more. Fuck it. But that was like representation. You know? I love the idea that there's a medium out here that can make you feel so seen so understood, so represented. I think the only other medium that makes you feel that much more understood, represented, and seen is filmmaking, you know? 
And and maybe that's why I ended up being a filmmaker. I don't know. But I mean, without people like the papooses of the world and, you know, Graf and Corey Guns, right? <laughs> there couldn't be an alley for people like Kendrick Lamar or Wale or J. Cole or Big Sean. Real, true storytelling lyricists who forced hip-hop to go in two separate directions so that this next generation of kids has the same type of outlet to be able to go and be like, yo, I just needed to feel seen and represented in a way that like maybe my parents or society isn't allowing me to feel because that's all teenage adolescence is about. We're trying to figure this shit out all the time, you know? I always say from age zero to 10, you're trying to figure out what is the world. From age 10 to 20, you're figuring out who am I? And then from 20 to 30, which I'm kind of wrapping up right now and it's making a lot of sense. (laughs) You're figuring out like, okay, I know what the world is. I know who I am. So now I'm trying to figure out how do I navigate the world while remaining who I am? And then life probably starts in your 30s. That's where I'm headed. I'll turn 30 in a month. This is the most consistent I've felt in my life. You know, it's like things are just starting to make sense. I still don't have all the answers. But I'm just not panicking when they don't go a certain way. I'm like, I'll I'll figure it out. You know, it's not like in my 20s when it was like, oh, shit, the world's over. Oh, God, I was supposed to be a millionaire by now. (laughs) You know. I needed some assistance. And for me, music was that, you know. Everybody needs some assistance because there's so many feelings and experiences you're trying to navigate. And there's so much peer pressure and social pressure. And, you know, it's like, what do you do when you look like a child, but you're treated like an adult and society expects you to be an adult? But you have no reference point because your entire life you have been moving like a child. It's, it's funny, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put it all together and make it make sense, but I hope you get where I'm going with this. Like, music assists us in that way, you know? And when I hear certain things like those throwbacks, that Smokey Robinson, that Delphonics, Stylistics, Earth, Wind, and Fire, or the shit my mother used to listen to, you know? The 50 Cents, the LL Cool J's, the DMX, you know? Grandmaster Flash, Kumo D, Heavy D, all that type shit. It's like a reminder that, to me at least, like y'all was young once too. And when y'all was young, Y'all were just navigating this shit the same way. 
You figured it out. What makes me any different? Sometimes you have to get out your own way, get in a different space. But I just love the fact that when life is moving too fast sometimes and everything's all crazy, it's nothing to just press stop. It might be anxious as hell, (laughs) but you can really just press stop on life. Find the loudest speaker you can or some noise-canceling headphones or whatever and just tune out to your favorite music. And it's like everything gets better. Nothing matters anymore. You're floating on a cloud. All your problems have gone away. Last thing I'll share, at one point, my oldest brother had moved back home and he had one child and uh, they didn't expect it, but he had another one on the way. His wife was pregnant and uh, they were just in a, needed a better living situation. So they were temporarily transitioning at my mother's house and, um, you know, it, it was a thing like, We had a little family meeting about it, and my mother was like, you know, your brother needs somewhere to go. And I told him we don't have any room here, but, you know, if one of you wants to sacrifice your room to help, then, you know, but I'm not going to force you to. And I just did it. You know, I was like, it's cool. He can have my room. They they needed more, you know. And they whole family just crammed into that one little room for a little bit while they transitioned out to move somewhere else. And um, that time period was real hard for me. And I never wanted to blame anybody because I volunteered to give up my room. I volunteered because I knew, one, I didn't want my brother to be struggling. Two, I would get to see my niece a lot more. or nieces once the other niece obviously came, you know. Um, But it was like during that time period, I was literally like sleeping on the couch in the living room. It's completely uncomfortable. It's cold a lot of times. And I just remember nobody used to sleep. It was like, it used to drive me crazy, like people walking back and forth all night long, didn't matter what time, get up two in the morning to go and grab something out the kitchen or watch TV or get some food or whatever. And, you know, my brother had kids. So by the time they're asleep, you probably just want some alone time. Sometimes it's just time to get away. And like, nobody wants to be cooped up in one room for so long either. You know, Um, it it could drive you crazy. It's four of y'all. So you need a little space and then you step outside and I think he smoked cigarettes and then my other brother smoked cigarettes at the time. Both of them don't smoke anymore, but you know. So imagine I'm just trying to do my school thing with high school or college. I think by this time I was in college. I was probably still in high school. Can't remember. Uh, it's, it's a time that I kind of blocked out a little bit. But 
which I guess defeats the purpose of this this podcast, right? But I just know that that constant in and out, in and out, in and out footsteps, doom, 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 out the front door, in the front door, to the kitchen, TV's on, lights on. I just couldn't sleep. I could never get any sleep. And it's been on for about at least like a year, two years or something like that, to the point where uh, my friends started to know me as the kid with the backpack. (laughs) I always had this green backpack with me all the time because I was just kind of house hopping. I would like crash out different people's homes. It's cool if I spend a night. I never wanted to overstay my welcome either, you know? So I was always ready. I had my laptop with me so I could edit. I was learning how to edit for the first time with filmmaking, you know, on an old MacBook laptop that was slow as hell. <laughs> and um, I was shooting music videos, but I would just crash wherever I was at, you know, a lot of times. Didn't matter if I was sleeping on the floor. I didn't care. I'd cuddle up with my book bag, use a hoodie as a blanket. But at least I could sleep. And um, I wonder how much that has to do with me being such a light sleeper now. Like even when I'm in relationships and I might sleep next to somebody, it takes a lot for me to fall asleep. Somebody could be all cuddled up next to me, all comfortable and shit like that. I barely sleep. I'm just up, you know. I might get like a good hour, but it's like uh, my body's so alert now, you know? I feel like I'm always fighting for rest. And it's only been in the most recent years where I have lived completely alone, like absolutely 100% completely alone, um, that I've found the first real rest of my life. And it feels refreshing. And it's also one of the first times that I, uh, I'm i not like sleeping with like music or like tuning things out, you know? I mean, granted, during that time period too, a part of the reason, because you know, some people say, well, why not just sleep with music in your ear back then? But I couldn't because my mother had medical issues a lot of times. And I had to be alert, you know, because... It was like nobody, I don't know how in a house full of people, it's like nobody could hear my mother if she was like calling for help or something. Um, That's just how it was. It was always on me in that kind of way for the most part. Um, My my middle brother would sleep with his headphones in because he's a rapper. He's always trying to like, you know, listening to beats and stuff like that. It makes sense, you know? I don't know. I just... For a couple of years afterwards, even when I left, I used to have to sleep like with like either complete absolute silence or with music in or something like that or fall asleep with some sort of noise like a TV around like it's just I'd have to crash out. And um, that's the other thing. My friends, (laughs) they used to make fun of me. One of my friends, Christian, still makes fun of me now because it happens. But for years now, like 10 years. People make fun of me because I just be falling asleep, sitting up, 
random ass moments like a crackhead or something. <laughs> and they don't know, you know, like that's that was what it was at that time. You know, my man Clive had Clive and my man Tyler, both of them had endless videos. I mean, like probably like at least like 20 videos of me talking to them in mid-conversation. I just doze off. And they was like, they just thought it was so funny. And they were like, man, you work too hard. They thought it was because I was grinding. They thought it was because I was pushing so hard. I was really out here shooting videos and editing and shit like that. I wasn't getting no sleep, you know? But all of this is relevant to this idea of what, like I said, what music does for healing, what music does for your soul. Like music really is an escape from your reality. Maybe I spent this whole episode reminiscing about the impact of music and playing some of these oldies and, you know, old hip hop shit that I loved. I didn't even get to know Eminem. I love Eminem. I need y'all to know I'm the most black, blackity, black, black nigga ever. And I love Eminem. <laughs> but I think I went back and did all that maybe just because it made me happy in the same kind of way that it did back then, you know? And it took me almost an hour to get to that part of it, which is that I needed the escape, you know? And that's not to say that my living condition was the worst because I know people with way worse living conditions, you know? Way worse. But it seemed like that was where I really clung to my first real, real love when I was dating Lenora because of the fact that, you know, she had a kind of living condition as well with her family and we just could relate. Even though we was so opposite, so different, it was like we just understood each other and we just kind of became that peaceful, safe space for each other. I don't want music to have to be an escape anymore. You know, I'm rebuilding a relationship with music right now. I've never been about trying to keep all the attention on myself. There's a podcast called Dissect. It's really good. You should check it out. It's all about music. Breaking down the inner workings of how certain albums are made, classic albums like Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly, Beyonce's Lemonade, Lauren Hill's Miseducation of Lauren Hill. And every episode is like a PhD dissertation on the making of a single song from the musicality to every lyric spoken. And it's so good. I listened to Rick Rubin's Broken Record podcast. And it's just the most authentic pure music lovers podcast ever. It's beautiful. It, it, it inspires me, you know? And I don't even make music, but it's just, I love their process, you know? I just love music, man. It, it is an escape, but I, I want to now change my relationship with music in the past from being this form of escapism to a place where it feels more like uh, an appreciation of a fine art, you know? Like, I want music to feel like 
my version of wine tasting since I don't drink, you know? To be a, a connoisseur of music, all different types of music. I want to be introduced to genres that I never thought I would ever fuck with and become deeply immersed into it, like punk, you know, punk rock and country and classical. And just really study it, you know? And I want it to happen organically. So if you're passionate, you know, about any particular type of music and you want to share, by all means, let's have some conversations, man. Let's talk on it. I'm open to it, but I've had fun, man. Like I said, this is one of my favorite episodes that I've done so far just because it, it really feels like real, true, genuine, honest time travel. And that's what it's all about. You know, going back in the day. Catch me on the next episode. Appreciate y'all, man. Y'all remember way back then